Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. KentuckySportsUnlimited.com presents Big Blue Views. Now, here's Mike McQuinn and Michelle Brown. Goodness, we've made it to the month of May. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I think I got my co-host uh, Mike here with me. Do I? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing tonight? I'm fine. Are you able to hear me okay with this new mic that I have? Yes, I'm hearing you just fine, loud and clear. Oh my goodness, I love it when technology works. It happens so rarely. <laughs> Yeah, we've had some technical issues, that's for sure. Well, I, I think uh, just uh, from other friends that have uh, done podcasts, I think they've uh, had their share of technical issues, so I guess that uh, means we're in good company or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just the nature of the beast. But it looks like we finally have spring weather here, so that's always exciting to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it just means it's about time to do some good fishing. It's, you know, that favorite sport of mine, or second favorite sport, I should say. (laughs) Well, now, while while you go participate in your hobby, uh, I was actually out playing a sport this weekend. I had my first golf tournament of the year. And I have been playing just horribly, and, and Saturday was a really good day. Got my first birdie of the year. I want to skin. I stayed under a hundred. I mean, there was all kinds of great things happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sounds like you might be uh, learning this game after after lots of practice, huh? Well, actually, if I, truth uh, truth be told, I was better probably five years ago. Yeah. Sometimes life kind of gets in your way, and you don't get to practice, and your game kind of regresses a little bit. But I'm 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 getting it back. So maybe this will be my year to do something really wonderful, like break eighty finally. I mean, that's I've been saying that for six years. I'm going to break eighty, and it hasn't happened, but I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain. I was I was a lot better fisherman seven or eight years ago myself. I, I haven't got to do as much of it lately. Well, you know, that happens with hobbies. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's been... we still got NBA playoffs going, going on. That's uh, uh, 
with the Pelicans getting knocked out and no Anthony Davis, that kind of makes it not quite as as entertaining for me. I hate seeing that. And the Celtics got bumped out, and I guess That's uh, all right. that means Mr. Wall's doing fine. He's he had eighteen and and thirteen assists. And they stole game one. Mr. Wall's still going strong. And uh, one of these days, Mr. Cowherd's going to have to apologize or at least admit he was wrong, right? I don't think that'll happen. I mean, because I think it was as recently as last week he was still talking about that Dougie dance. I mean, so so what? You know, would he have had only 14 points the other night if he hadn't done that blast? Or he would have had 16 points if he hadn't done that stupid dance? I mean, it, it just boggles the mind. Yeah, well, sometimes it's hard for people to admit when they're wrong, but he's definitely, he's definitely you know, one of the new young faces of the NBA, and he's a great kid. I don't care what Mr. Cowherd says about it. I can be like a... Phyllis that calls in to Paul Feinbaum all the time and call him cow turd. <laughs> exactly. And when she gets a good head of steam going, and she, uh, I think back uh, in the fall, she even suggested they play the cow turd bowl. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she doesn't like it very much when he talks bad about SEC football and when he, uh, Specifically, when he speaks uh, poorly of Alabama football, she she's just not really fond of that at all. No, I'm not real fond. I, you know, I used to like Colin. I I agreed with a lot of things he said, but I think I'm starting to disagree. Ever since the John Wall thing, he's kind of fell out of favor with me. <laughs> he uh, his opinions come across. More like like he's I don't know he's just very condescending. I, it just he strikes me that way. Well, you know when he first when I well let's put it this way I don't know when he first started ESPN. When I first started listening to him several years ago, he was a lot more objective and he uh, he had a lot better views. And now I think he just you know like a lot of other radio shows go to he just tries to irritate people to push the needle you know yeah that's uh that that's uh, one one of my pet peeves is don't try to make news for the sake of ratings just you know if you're good at what you do the ratings will come to you anyway i mean you know, you've got to remember how you got where you were going yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's a big night for us though, you know. This is we've got a we've got a heck of a guest coming on tonight and I'm really excited about it. When we we've had some good guests, but I, I would say this one here's our biggest one so far. Well he uh he ranks right up there with uh, getting the ninety eight hero uh, Cameron Mills on here. Uh, a few weeks ago, that was really exciting, and and knowing that we've got Derek Anderson coming in tonight, that's equally exciting. I think uh, probably before we even went on air the very first time, you and I had talked about hopefully getting Derek to come on our show sometime. Uh, 
Because uh, one night we were talking about his. Well, I think you were in that conversation when that Cincinnati fan jumped in that one night, and I brought up Derek's book and and how that uh, what was the Cincinnati player's name Ellis, the one that was uh, throwing all the punches and stuff. Yeah, he needed to read Derek's book. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually it was a fan that jumped in. You know, because Vern Lundquist had said during that broadcast, you know, well, this. He saw this, but you know, and he went through several details of of what had happened in in that young man's life. Which, first of all, it wasn't appropriate to bring it up in the middle. Of- but Vern Lundquist was suggesting that because all these things happened, that that Ellis, you know, should be understood why he acted the way he acted. And and I had tweeted out that you know just because you know I, I said that the that. The kid had gone through so much uh, when he was young, but at some point you can make a choice to let your circumstances define you or you find a way to overcome them and you define your life the way you want to. And and this Cincinnati fan just jumped all over me. I mean, just got got pretty nasty about it. And I said, you know, read Derek Anderson's book, that, you know, Stamina. I said, you know, the, he's living proof that you can be a winner. And 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 so that fan just kept getting nastier and nastier, and then Derek popped up out of the clear blue, and and he he was just incredibly positive with that fan, and and offered a lot of encouraging words for Ellis too, and and of course that inspired me to read uh, Derek's book for the fourth time. And I understand you finally. You, uh, you you still couldn't bring yourself to crack open the book, though, could you? You're afraid to smudge the signature? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I finally used my girlfriend's Kindle to download the book, and I read the book Saturday from cover to cover. And it's an amazing book, and it inspired me. At 38 years old, it, has expi- it inspired me to uh, to do better. I mean, he, he's an amazing person. I, I really, and I don't care what anyone says about Derek Anderson. He's true blue through and through, and that's just he loves the University of Kentucky, and I love him. He is a, a great man. Well, he'll uh, he'll be calling in sometime in the next five six minutes or so. So look out for him. Um. Uh, I'm sure we've got some people out there that are uh, eager to hear what's going on with Derek these days. And uh, I get, well, I guess while we wait, one thing we did not even mention, of course, uh, being from the state of Kentucky this past weekend was supposed to be like the big weekend, which uh, other than Final Four weekend, which I think is a little bit bigger, I might get some flack from people in the Ville. But we did have the Derby Saturday, and I I participated in my normal Derby Day activities. I played golf, and uh, I came home, and I watched the race on TV. <laughs> I actually, I, I hope I don't get any slack for this. I actually forgot about the Derby and didn't watch it. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> please, please don't kill me. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, I'm now uh, taking applications for a new co-host that keeps up with sports. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I just I got caught up in Derek's book. <laughs> no, we're going to pull out the. I was reading a book card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about the Derby. I was like. Yeah, that's like crap. I didn't even know he won. I had to go look it up. <laughs> I, I feel kind of bad because uh, uh, I have never, ever been to the Derby. And uh, I, I, well, I, I, don't, I don't really feel bad about it. People try to make me feel bad, people not from Kentucky. How can you not have gone to the Derby? And I'm like, I've had friends that have gone. And they're saying, oh, it's so much fun. You go to the infield and blah, 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 blah. And then these same friends will come back. And I was like, well, if you're in the infield, you must have a great view. And they're going like, no, never saw a horse the whole day. Well, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're going to be in a crowd of 150,000 people to see a horse race, I kind of think it would be important to actually see a horse you would think so, and I, I'm actually going to I'm going to put it on my list to do next year. I'm going to go to the Derby. Uh, I've never been to one myself, and uh, I'm not I'm not a big horse racing fan, obviously. But I usually always watch the Kentucky Derby. But I can say this year it just totally slipped my mind, and I couldn't believe it. But I didn't catch the Kentucky Derby. It's like, well, <laughs> well, it's been a been a little tear here of recent years with the uh, favorite actually winning the Derby. So American Pharaoh was the win- uh, was the favorite and and did win a beautiful horse. I mean, I, I I thought it was a beautiful horse though. I saw him in the parade and I was like, well, it'd be nice if he won. And I, I didn't think he was going to pull it out, but uh, he came on strong at the end. So you know, maybe this is the year we'll get a triple crown. It's it's been a long time. Yeah, that always makes for makes it interesting when they're going for the triple crown. I mean, that's the thing about horse racing. They're pretty much there's three three main events for the year, and that's that's about it as far as main events. And it, their whole season, you know, kind of hinges on those three races. And that's but uh, the Kentucky Derby is. I heard somebody saying today, I can't remember who, that it's the only sport that actually is growing in ratings. The only thing I don't like about the Triple Crown, and and I think this this re, this complaint has gone legs in the uh, last few years, when we've had horses that have won the first two, and then they get to the Belmont, and another horse comes in, and it's usually a horse that has not raced both of the other races. I'm kind of a I think that that if you're going to race in the Belmont, you should have had to have raced in the other two races. I don't know. Maybe that's a simplistic view, but make it a, a true, you know, if you're going to win a race, you, you, you've raced all three of them. I, that, that's, I, I'm not a, a, a believer in, you know, resting a horse up, let him skip the Preakness because he lost the Derby and then bring him into Belmont just to try to take somebody's, chances away for the triple crown as you've got a horse that's got fresher legs or something. I I don't know. Maybe I don't understand the sport enough to speak on it, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, I don't know. Then maybe you get a lot of these guys trying to push horses that 
don't need to be running and getting getting them injured, you know. And we know how bad that turns out sometimes. Well, that that's true. It's it, it just doesn't seem fair though that the only one that that really has to run all three of them is the winner of the Derby, and everybody else can take a a race off and and save their horse, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, but, you know, that's the price for being the big dog, right? I don't know. I've always been one of those little puppies that stays on the porch. (laughs) (laughs) I see that uh, (laughs) it looks like we have Derek here, so I'm going to bring him in. It's going to be an exciting time here. Derek, have we got you online? Yeah, I'm on. How you guys doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing well, buddy. Right now. Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Uh, we, we've already mentioned Stan, and Mike just uh, finished reading it Saturday. He's had the book for quite some time, and uh, <laughs> he had an autographed copy, and he didn't want to open the book because he didn't want to mess up his autographed copy, and he downloaded it on Kindle and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> Well, we are really, really excited to have you with us here tonight. I've been following you on Twitter. I think uh, from the day I joined Twitter, you were one of the first people I followed, and uh, uh, and and you and I have interacted somewhat. And I was really excited when you agreed to join us tonight. And uh, one oh, thing I was uh, oh, that's wonderful. What uh, one thing I've noticed over. Uh, over the time of following you, especially during basketball season when there's games on, one thing that I know that you have preached forever is that in college basketball today, we don't see the fundamental that we saw 10, 15 years ago. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's different. It's even in the pros now. We watched a lot of these pro teams and pro players. uh, I think they rely on talent so much that I think that they kind of put fundamentals to the side. Uh, I think it comes from just, I think it's just a history of it. It's just different watching. If you watch some of our years and we played, uh, it was just different times. These, now it's a lot of athletic kids who rely on athleticism and and uh, sometimes it gets frustrating. You know, you're watching the team who's in the zone, you know you're going zone and and they just stay around the perimeter and just pass the ball. He's like, uh, no, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> so... This is different watching. We, we, Mike and I have had several discussions about how the college game has changed, and we've tried to put our finger on when that change happened. You know, was it uh, when the one-and-done rule came in and everybody thought they had to be on a fast track and get in for one year and rush to the NBA, or if it was, you know, with the AAU circuit growing? Uh, I mean, I'm just trying. I'm wondering, you know, where is it that we need to look to to see that? Or, I mean, do you, do you think there's a, any hope of getting back to the fundamentals and playing basketball again? Well, I think what has to happen is going to have to be a lot of people in the NBA complaining about talent. If they start complaining, they'll change because you know they're about money. The NBA is like, hey, if we got enough superstars, we'll we'll keep drafting players no matter what age or you know. Because we did it, you know, that's what happened last time to stop the kids from running straight out of high school. They had to put the one-year rule in, and that stopped it. And I think uh, 
if if people can you know say something or support it long enough to where you can try to get these kids to stay in, like kind of like college football, maybe two or three years. I don't think it'll change anytime soon. NBA is a, it's just like, hey, it's a business, and they're going to run it the way they want to run it. So it's, it's a, co- a combination of things, and you really can't pinpoint it. If maybe guys stay in four years and they develop, and maybe that's the difference. But there's so much talent out there. It's like, you know, how do you tell some kid that he can't go? I mean, I wish they, I wish they would stay because I'm looking at their future uh, more than anything. But if they're that good, you can't really hold them back. Well, Derek, I would agree with you on that. I see a lot of kids going that aren't ready, in my opinion. And one question I'd have for you on that: Do you think that don't you think that they develop better in college than they would the D League? Because to me, I see better coaches in college than what's in the D League. I think you're right. I think the D League is more of a one-on-one. If you could, you could be a role player in the D League and never even get a get a chance to move up. You know, you got to be a super something, special shot blocker, rebounder, score. Or in college, if you played your role, you know, you remember Shane uh, Battier? You know, he wasn't a major time scorer, but he's played such a good role on a winning team that they gave him a chance in the NBA. And he wound up doing the exact same thing in the NBA. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so I agree with you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's better to be in college and become a, a better solid player in the NBA and say, oh, this guy can be good for us at this place. The D League, basically, if you looked at all the leagues, the D leagues, they're they're usually a team that's just looking at the, the players who's already developed, and they're trying to see if they get better as they play in the league. I don't know the coaches in the D leagues. So I don't. I couldn't say if they were better. Or not. I, don't, I don't know too many of them. I don't know a lot of them, but I'm just guessing that college basketball probably pays a little better than the D league. And I'm, get, <laughs> I'm guessing that they have better coaches. <laughs> <laughs> now I think everybody wears the same jogger suit so, in college. So I, I just think, as honest, I think it gives them a chance to develop and become team oriented. Where the D League, from what I know of, it seems like they're just uh, they're they're allowing players to play until they get a call up. And I meant pays better to the coaches there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, another thing to me that that kind of you know the, the NBA. Did they, you know, stay in college or stay in college for one year before you come here because they wanted to develop a little bit? But at the same time, they started upping the minimum contracts that go to lottery first round picks. And, you know, it's a whole different atmosphere than when you were in college, Derek. I mean, you know, back then, if you got drafted in the first round, what was it, like a $200,000 contract? And now you're talking $2 million. That's, that's life changing. Well, that, that's kind of hard a, for some kids, yeah. Well, ours was a million when we came out. Ours was still a million, like a, a million. The first, yeah, it was like nine hundred thousand, a million, a million three for me, and I was like the thirteenth pick. So it went up, you know, but it was three, uh, what you call it? But it's still, um, I just think different. You know, we weren't, we were just different thinking because we weren't thinking <laughs> of the money at that point. We were thinking of trying to win college and you know just trying to develop, but. It's hard to change these kids' mind when, you know, the high school coaches are sending them to AAUs and they're getting all these shoes and gear. And as a kid, if I would have got it, my mentality might have changed. You know, but we didn't have it. So my mentality was, you know, let's just stay where we're at, play college ball, win a championship in college if you can, get as best, get it the best as you can, you know, and then go. And I think that was the thing. It was so many people coming out when we were coming out. We were all, you know, competing against, like, the nation of people. 
Yeah, and the one thing a lot of people are saying that changing the shot clock to 30 seconds is going to upscore it, and I actually believe it will hurt scoring myself. And I was wondering how you feel on that because you guys had 45 seconds, I'm pretty sure, and and, and you guys scored over 90 a game. Yeah, we weren't worrying about no shot clock. We were, we were, we were, we were, we were, we were running quick hitting plays. And uh, what uh, Coach Patino he did was just run quick hitting plays. I think he brought that from his NBA career or something. Because the stuff he was running, it was like uh, me and Tony Delk would come off a big, the big would step out. He and I would get backdoor layups, you know, cuts and passes. So I think his was just whoever's open first, you stole it to him to make a shot, and it was never a timetable for us. And again, I just think that's different. And I think oh, now my, with the shot clock, I, I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll hurt the game. I, I honestly think it it should help it up. I mean, guys will have more shots. You know, if you get thirty oh. seconds, that's you know that's. I think that speeds the shot. Your time, how many shots you get up. So it should it should help. Well, my point on that is, if you can't score in thirty five seconds, I don't see how you're going to score in thirty. And like you said, the fundamentals of the game are so much worse nowadays than they were back in your guys' day. Because you know, you guys had juniors and seniors playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it's definitely different. I, I guarantee. You. But again, that's just time and develop. You know, when you get so many kids that are, are thinking they're so athletic, you know, then the coaches are allowing them to do certain things. You know, in high school, I think there is a difference. So it's like you only get so much time with them in college to help them develop. So it's a different atmosphere. Again, it's the times, and that's what you have to look at. It's just different times. Like I said, if they offered you a offer you and I a million dollars, and we're like eighteen or nineteen. Like, you're not thinking of a future in 10 years from now. First thing you're thinking is, oh, I can give me a million dollars. I was just eating free lunch at school. <laughs> now, you're, right. now you're going to give me a million dollars. That's hard to stop. That's hard not to, to do. So it's just different times, man. Well, since we had brought this up earlier, like uh, Mike and I had discussed before you came on air, that uh, when we first started our podcast back in March, uh one of our goals was we said, man, would it be so great if we could get Derek Anderson on our show because <laughs> I've always wanted to talk to you one-on-one about your book, Stamina. So I bought awesome. that book. I've, I've had it almost two years, and like I said, I've read it four times, and it, it's not <laughs> just for athletes. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I told the story about uh, the Cincinnati fan that, that jumped all over me that night during the game because he was saying that, Ellis should be excused for his behavior because he had a rough childhood. Right. And I was like, you know, read Derek's book. You know, it's. I remember that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, because I said, your circumstances do not have to define your life. And uh, that's that's what your your book is about. I'm uh, curious when you got the idea to write the book and. And how long did it take to get all out and into such a wonderful, inspirational book? Well, well, the reason I wrote is I got a chance to be, you know, have Christmas dinner with my mother for the first time in 28 years. So that motivated me to write that book. And I was like, man, that's a lot of pain that I held in and didn't know about it, even as an adult. So I, I relived all those moments. And once I did that, I was like, you know what, let me write a book and help other people out. So I wrote it. Uh, and just started talking to other people about what they felt and how they got they could get over it. And and I also realized that like even talking about that one kid, people make excuses for people's bad attitudes, 
and that's why they re- continue to, to have those attitudes. But if you hold them accountable, they'll have to change or they'll stay in, or in that same situation. But you keep giving them, you know, reasons to, to bow out and to make excuses for the things, that their attitude. You know, things that happen in life all the time. You know, you make mistakes, everything, but the fact that you that you don't have a good attitude, I mean, a good personality and treat people with respect, I think that's when we lose focus on life in general, you know. So I don't look at sports as my, my way out. People say, oh, you're a sports guy and this, isn't that. Like, no, you got to be a, a good person. And I think that's the most important thing about life. Yes, and, that, well, absolutely. and I was, I would say that I'm 38 years old, and like I said, I just read your book Saturday for the first time, for, you know, because like she was telling me, I had the autographed copy, and I didn't want to touch it. But I finally read it, and it, it, it was inspirational to me. And, and I thought and I thought I grew up hard, uh, you know. I thought, thought, man, you know, and I felt sorry for myself when I was a teenager. And, and man, I mean, I had it great. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had it great. And uh, and some of the things in the book actually that I found humorous was, you, you know, when you're talking about your coach not eating bologna and you just couldn't believe that. And I was like, back mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I think back when I was a kid, we, we had several, you know, bologna nights. And, and I had a mother that worked three jobs to support me, and, and I don't have much of a relationship with my father. And it's mm-hmm. And it's made me think about actually – you know, getting in touch with him because he tried to get in touch with me a few years ago, and and I wasn't willing to do it. But you know, it, it really made me think about that. Yeah, you think about it though, man. You there's there's a whole lot of things you do in your life, and you always you know you'll make mistakes, and you the one thing you'll want is someone to forgive you because you know no one's perfect, and that's what you love life for. If people don't forgive you, then they have hatred in their heart, and they're the ones going to suffer more than anybody. You know, and I think that's what you have to think about. Is is making sure that you get that anger out of you, and you won't know if the anger that's in you until you get rid of it. <laughs> you know, like I said, I met my mom, and I was fine because I was just living my life and everything was fine. But I didn't know I still had pain in me until I got to talking to her, and I was like, "Why? Why would you leave me?" You know, you started to wonder that question: Why would you act like this, and why would you treat me that way? And then you realize, you know what? I can't worry about that anymore. That's in the past. You know, what can I do now? You know, the, the biggest thing difference in people today is. They always want to have attitudes about the past, but we can't change that. All we can do is, can, is change the future, which we we can dictate. And I think that's where we lose focus. At. If you wouldn't apologize to your your dad, you know, just get a relationship, and you don't have to hang with him all the time. Just the fact that you you've made amends, say, hey, I know we went through our past issues and whatever you did, I forgive you, forgive me, and uh, I wish you well. You know, maybe you'll have a conversation. Maybe you guys will laugh and joke. It doesn't mean you have to be with him all the time, but if you at least get that anger and pain out of you. You know, you can live and be at peace knowing that that person is not thinking about you in a negative way. And a lot of times, I bet you, like you said, you thought he reached out to you, but because you were frustrated, then you had to think about what's he thinking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, you know, I, I needed him when I was growing up. I don't need him as a man's what I was thinking mm-hmm. then. But like I say, you're reading your book with a different perspective on it, so who knows what can happen from here, you know. I'm not yeah, making any promises. <laughs> Hey, do do whatever makes you whatever makes you feel good. I, I guarantee you, if you was a you was to do that again, if you don't even talk to him anymore, just you'd feel better. You know, you, again, I don't I don't spend a lot of time with the people I've forgiven, but the fact that I don't feel like I ha- I have that over my head anymore makes me feel good. Yeah, that, that's a point that a lot of people miss. They think that forgiveness 
is is a gift that you're giving to the person that you're forgiving when actually forgiveness is a gift to yourself and that's truly letting go and it doesn't mean forgetting and that's going to be your favorite person but when you let go of that bitterness and that anger it it truly does it, it lightens up everything and it allows you to view the world yeah you do you see it in a whole different light you know it just it just makes you feel totally different again you'll make mistakes throughout your life no matter how old you are you know but i think the fact that you can you can ask for forgiveness or you can you can forgive other people that shows you the growth and maturity of a man as a person you know man or a woman i think a lot of people hold a lot of that anger in them and uh and does i heard, i spoke to a young lady the other day and she said she had, had a rough childhood you know uh she had been uh touched as a young lady and she just felt like just terrible but i said well, when was this and she said it was like 15 20 years ago almost and i said well look how far you've come don't let that stop you from going even further and she said you're right and she just started feeling better and she wrote me an email saying thank you, and she read the book. And, and that, that's what makes you feel good when people can help, you know, relieve some of that past pain and just continue to live. That's what makes you feel good about a person as well. Well, and I think another point that, that is a, a constant theme in your book and, and is what uh, the key to your ultimate success was that, you know, if, if you are in a position where you don't have a lot of positive in your life, you've got a, a, a rough upbringing or whatever, it's to find positive people and surround yourself with them. And that that's going to be your support system. Yeah, that's, that's the best support is the people around you. If you have negative people around you, what's going to happen? You know, all those people keep keep allowing you to be negative and you become a part of that same negativity. And that's the issue that you run into the entire time. It's the same negativity. And if you don't change your circle, your circle will change you. No way around it. So I think if people stay around and just do what you have to do uh, as far as being happy and supportive of yourself. And, and, again, the best thing we can all give ourselves is love for yourself and then love for other people. You can't go wrong with that. When you start feeling bad and just being hateful towards everybody, you know, you're never going to be happy. You're going to live a life full of anger and resentment and jealousy and you never get full potential out of your own life. Well, someone a lot smarter than me once said that if you can't love yourself, how on earth can you expect anybody else on this planet to love you? Yeah, but it's a lot of people that don't love themselves. And that's why we got to. That's why you got to try to find a way of helping them out, be better people. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, it's a lot of people that really just—they're so miserable with their own life that they look forward to hurting someone else. Like, you, you can just see some people on even social media. You know, people just attack people, just attack and attack, and could care less about you as a person. They're just miserable with themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's a lot of that in the world. Uh, there's a whole lot of that in the world. And, and it, it's it's so many people in this world who, who, like you said, they give excuses for their upbringing, their lives, or or the way, you know, things are treated, things that happen in their life. I mean, there's people who are blind, you know, can't hear. They didn't have an option of of how that worked out. You know I mean? Like they they were born that way, and if they had a choice, I'm sure they would want a different way. But they don't, and they still have to live. And reading your book, I, I wish I could have thought the way you thought at 11 when I was 25. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's amazing, really, how you you just you look for the positives, and and I was so negative coming up, and. Mm-hmm. and, and 
and wasted so much time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do because no one, no one ever, you know, talked about it. No one's ever just, you know, people say, "Hey, you need to straighten up," but they never tell you how to straighten up. They never tell you what to do to keep from from acting out or being upset. You know, and that's what my book was. I say, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, it'll keep you from doing that. If you go get a job, instead of worrying about being homeless, you're not, you're never home anyway. You're working. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just little things like that that made me feel like, you know what, this makes sense. This makes exactly. sense to me to, to just keep staying busy and to keep working. And that's why I never worried about anything else. I was always working and always staying busy. And I think that's what made me feel so motivated. Like most kids in my position I grew up with, they 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 quit, and it was it was and we all had a, a, a reason to quit. I'm not saying it was it was the right thing, but I said everyone had a, had a, a reason to quit because everything was stacked up against us. You know, I didn't have no food. I, didn't have, I mean, it was a lot of problems that we had, and I had with with a lot of people in my neighborhood. But I just said if I keep working and keep working, I'll get out of this thing. I'll keep getting out of it, and, and lo and behold, I, I got out of it. I don't know if we lost her, maybe. <laughs> oh, we did. Oh, there she is. You can't hear me? I can't I'm hear her. I was letting you ask the question there. <laughs> I didn't want to okay. keep asking them off. <laughs> so is that you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I was saying that when you've got a situation like that where, where you just, you've got all these bad things happening, and and you don't see a way out. That's a really good point. Is that as long as you sit there and you wallow in that, it won't change. You know, it, it's it's you've got to take responsibility for your life at some point. And like I said, I know it's not easy, and I know there's a lot of obstacles, but inactivity on your life will will give you the same results as uh, that you already have. I mean, you don't change your results unless you change your situation. Yeah, every time. But but again, there's a lot of people that don't have anyone to talk to or any drive in them, and some people need an extra push. And, and those people, you, you try to help them out and give them that extra push. Everyone is not built. You know, you look at a basketball team. Some guys are captains. Some guys are great players. But some guys aren't verbal. Some guys are more verbal. Like, you know, when we played, Anthony Epps was our verbal leader, but he didn't even make it to the NBA. But he was such a dynamic teammate that he could control the team by his, his power, his uh the way he played, how hard he played, the respect we gave him because, you know, he wasn't as athletic as us, but he was just as talented as us. And that guy was the reason why we won a lot a lot of games. Like, he, he just had that, that mindset to lead. So, you know, everyone has a different format to do it. So long as you have a, a positive attitude or someone to look up to in that type of field and, and light, I think you can be successful if you just find that motivation. Well, Mike, you brought up a good point. Uh, I was going to let you, Mike, bring up that one section in the book, and uh, uh, as, as you like to tell me, the page 44. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure he knows what I'm talking about, where, where you said some of the best, you know, most successful people didn't have a college degree when they were successful. And, uh, you know, it's not and, – and, you know, you talk about kids leaving early and things like that, and – you just want you just want the same thing I want as from what I'm taking that you want them to leave when they're ready and not before because they have so much more to lose if they if they leave before they're ready. I, I mean that's how I feel about it. 
Well, I think it's a different. I, I'm looking, like I said, I look at the future. When I look at everything, I look at the future. Uh, when Noel got hurt, I went to speak to him. I let him know that, you know, your future isn't over. You have to keep working hard. When Alex got hurt, I went to tell him the same thing. You know, I spoke to the players. Like, I want these guys to know that if you just keep pushing it, you'll be successful. You know, don't allow anything to stop you no matter what it is, you know, injuries or whatever. And I think the the fact that I was trying to tell him is if you don't, if you do leave early, know that, you you know, there's a there's something that you have to think about, and that's your future. You know, if you do leave early and you make it, you're still going to have to retire sooner or later. You know, and that's what you want them to see is the future. And a lot of people don't see that future. A lot of people just tell you, hey, make sure you do this and that. And, and what I meant by in the book was some people who were, who made it, they didn't graduate, but they had a passion for something, and that's what they did. They did that passion, and they made it to a, a career. You know, you can get anybody. NBA is a job. It's not a career. You know, I mean, if you go into playing and then go into coaching, that's great. But those are two different jobs. But I think when you go into a career, you want to have something where – you know that you can look at it and you be passionate about it and say, I'm going to finish this and I can do this job and I can make it work. So I think that's what I, that's the biggest message I always want to give them. Just be passionate about whatever you're going to do and try to make sure that you know that you're going to need a career when you're done uh, playing sports. That's a good point because I don't know what the average NBA career is, but I'm, I'm guessing it's probably not the average. It's not 10 years. I mean, that's, No, it's, it's, uh, it, went to, it went from four to five. Exactly. I mean, wow. That's that's not long. I mean, when you think no, about it. No, not at all. It's the average, yeah. That's why you rotate them in and out. You see the superstars play a long time, but you look at the rest of the bench, it'd be like six or seven guys on there, and they just rotate, just keep rotating. Then they go to the D league. Then you get some new guys come out of college, and then they're on the bench. You know, so it's a ro- it's a rotating door if you don't, if you're not fortunate enough to stay. So. Yeah, there's. A, I was just gonna say there, there's a, a lot. Uh, I, I'm also starting to. Hello. Well, I think we lost our uh, our mic. <laughs> one thing I've always wanted to ask you, and I, it's a little bit more a light subject. I felt better the the '96 championship or actually going up and making those free throws in '97. I think I know the answer, but but I'll let you ask. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, what, was you, what were you going to ask? I was asking which one felt better, the '96 championship or or actually stepping up there and making those free throws in '97. Uh, the '96 championship. I didn't get to play in '97, so <laughs> I just thought I love, maybe I, I kind of thought maybe that the that the the free throws meant something to you because you'd come back no, from the injury. They, yeah, they meant something that I bet they meant, you know, it was a good feeling to be at least finish my college career on, on a positive note. You know, I got to not walk out hurt. I got to go out and make it two free throws and, you know, finish my career at least uh, standing on my own two feet with a UK jersey. So that felt great. But the greatest moment was uh, winning a championship with guys who actually cared about each other. You know, that was an awesome feeling. Yeah, I'm sure that was. I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I made it back. <laughs> there she goes. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had just uh, chronic technical issues with headsets, so uh, I thought I was going to make it through tonight without any problems, but it didn't work that way. <laughs> so, well, now that you've uh, uh, got 
uh, well, Stan, uh, that's uh, that's available on your website on DerekAndersonWorks.com. Is it? Uh, uh, apparently, it's also available for download on Kindle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what what's up next for Derek Anderson? Well, I got it picked up by a movie, so now we're uh, in negotiations. We're talking about it and uh, going to make a movie out of it. Hopefully, it'll be out another year. And um, DVDs, I wanted to be part of the school curriculum where I did um, a study guide as well. You know, some some people just need to have a conversation. You know, about what would they do and how would they do certain things. So, I'm just excited. I'm just uh, I can't wait to to hopefully help these uh, help everyone out. Just be better people, man. We we got so much negativity in this world, and and the more we can get people to just at least be kind to each other, we, we'll be all right. I, oh, I, I can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> can I audition for a part? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can interview whoever's playing me that time when they find out who's playing me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've got a bad knee, so, you know, I almost qualify there. So, <laughs> Actually, I've had four knee operations, but that's the side point. Uh, yeah, you get, I've had three, so you only got one more than me. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, just while we've been talking to you, I, I just happened to be reading our Twitter feed, and we've been getting a lot of really supportive and positive comments about you, Derek. The fans out there do love you. Big Blue Nation still behind you, oh, and well, just loving that. hearing your stories here. They said you're really a joy to listen to, and you're a super cool guy. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. We are like I said, you know, even in that situation, I, I may have spoken in a way that it wasn't appropriate, and I apologize. But it was only meant, you know, from a, a basketball standpoint, you know. So I didn't, I never wanted anybody to look at it, you know, any other way. And everyone knows me, my character. I stand 100% as a good person. I love everyone. Uh, never looked at any race, religion, anything. I just love good people, and, uh, and that's how I live my life, regardless of what people may say or think. This is who I am. I love people. I love life, and uh, and I'm just blessed to be a part of Big Blue Nation. Still, I'll never let that let that go. So I'm just blessed to be here, be here again. And we know you're true blue through and through. And and I give my opinion on here all the time, and, and nobody cares because I'm nobody. You know, and that's 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 just the way it is. And and you're entitled to your opinion. And who who cares what they think? I'm sorry, but who cares what they think? Yeah, we can't we we can't stop anything. I mean, people talked about Jesus, so I mean, I am no, I am definitely not in a, a godly realm of a of a supernatural. But I am a human, and uh, again, I make mistakes. And just thankful that the the real fans that are out there to support me forgave me for the comments, and, and I'm glad we can all still be a family. You know, you have to have sometimes you, you argue with your family members, but it never stops you from loving each other and being being uh, connected. So I'm, I'm blessed to still have that a part of me. And and that's one of the greatest things about the Big Blue Nation is, uh, you know, we are uh, truly like a, a family, uh, dysfunctional, just mm-hmm. like a family. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not not as a whole, just just, uh, just a few, just a few. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you've always got the crazy uncle at the Christmas dinner, you know, so. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But we, I tell you what, this has been uh, this has been one of my bucket list things was to get to talk uh, 
get to talk to you, Derek. Like I said, I mean, you know, t- talking with you on Twitter is one thing, but to actually get mm-hmm. to talk to you one on one, well, two on one here. I guess we've got I got to count my co-host. He's, he thinks I don't right. remember him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know one thing about me? I'm always responding to all my fans, but people, most celebrities and all this, and what they call them, they don't. I just feel like if good people are around and they and they reach out to you, I think the bottom line is respect is that it's to reach back out, you know, just be cordial to people and and I think that always makes people feel better. And I appreciate you always being a positive uh, figure on my Twitter. Oh well, thank you. I'm glad you don't see me on my bad days. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me about the fashion trend of sundresses with cowboy boots. I am not positive about that at all. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Derek. It was. That's probably one of the biggest joys of my life to talk to you. I mean, well, awesome, buddy. I really appreciate you guys. And and it, it was it's been a blast. And you're a, you're always going to be a Kentucky legend. That's just that. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you too. Well, we appreciate no. you giving us your time, Derek. Absolutely. Have a good one, buddy. All right, you too, guys. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Well, that was exciting. Yeah, that was that was probably uh, our best interview yet. So, you know, Cameron was pretty good too. Cameron, uh, well, I think, speaking yeah. of Cameron, I think should point out for those that were not aware of it that you know Derek did make a reference to uh, his comments last week and his uh, and, and that he had apologized. He did write an open letter to the Big Blue Nation, and that is on CameronMillsRadio.com. dot com. It's right there on the home page. You can uh, search story. And I'd urge everybody to read that so they would more fully understand the comments that Derek made. Because uh, Derek's loyalty to the UK should never, ever, ever be questioned. And there's and a lot he, more, a lot more to Derek Anderson than a basketball uh-huh. analysis. You know, he he's just a great guy. I mean, really, <laughs> that's all you can say about him. And an inspirational guy too. I, I can't think of. There's probably not too many athletes that went through as much as he did to get to where he's at, and he could have been bitter his whole life for the things that he went through, but he, he rose above it. Indeed, he did, and uh, I was uh, glad that we got a lot of uh, some positive tweets in there. Tanya Tackett, she, uh, her, and of course our buddy Kyle and Nakota and. Uh, Shannon G, all of them were uh, just going on about how in- inspiring it was to to hear Derek, and and it, it's been an exciting night. I'm I kind of like this this nice little break for it not being basketball season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was an exciting interview, and it's. Like I said, it's probably one of my on my bucket list to talk to Derek Anderson. He's one of my all time heroes, so I can click one of them off now. Well, I'm still of the opinion that if I read his too much and I manage to ruin the autograph, I'm betting I can get him to autograph me another copy. Probably so, but just in case, I'm going to steal my girlfriend's Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, she'll never know about it now. 
And you're supposed to say that quietly, not on air, so everybody knows you're getting ready to steal the kingdom. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, now that we've uh, gotten on to that, we've got a few minutes before uh, Kristen will be bringing her views from the street. Uh, I guess this would be a good time that we could mention the recruiting developments this past week or uh, probably more accurately the uh, non-developments. That that was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) I I think everybody in in the Big Blue Nation was on Twitter that night and and I have my opinions on all this, you know. I just can't believe that whoever reports this stuff, Jalen Brown to Kentucky. I mean, can we get some facts before we start reporting things like that? I am so tired of stuff like that. And it's just, I like recruiting and I like to follow it, unlike some people. You know, I do like to follow it, but it's really getting ridiculous. And and people reporting about a text, I mean, come on, a text. And and we know he's coming because we got to take. There's there there is a. I don't know. I I got this back in the days when it was all print media. You know, you wanted to be the first one to break a story, the first one to get it in print. But in today's environment, everything is so instantaneous. You know, when when a story comes out. I don't necessarily look at who gave it to me first. I'll look at who gave it to me right. Exactly. I'd rather wait for five hours and get accurate information than to have some some speculation blow my way and present it as fact. And you know, it, it, it's 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 like you climbed up the tree four or five more branches before you fell out of it. <laughs> And there's also been reports that the platoon has hurt recruiting. And our recruiting class is number two in the nation. And, uh, you know, it might the platoon might have hurt for players that are all about them, all about themselves, and they want to be the man, or they're a little bit scared of competition. But Cal's going to get the right guys. He's proven that over and over. So he's going to get the right guys. So everybody just needs to chill because I really think we're going to have a good team next year if we add another player or not. And I can't wait. I can't wait for the season to start because we've got some stars. That were. Well, I would. And, I would have to question any recruit who honestly thought that the platoons would be in place as a year-in, year-out thing. Well, I'm I mean, sure. Last year was such a unique situation. Exactly. I'm sure that some guys in the recruiting trail probably tried to use that against them. But because, I mean, you got to find something when you're going up against Calipari. you got to have something to say. And, and they're probably getting bad mouth all the time. I'm sure that's the way this works. And, but, you know, it's not going to happen every year that everybody comes back, or, or most people come back. Not in this day and age, and that's what they got to understand. And I don't think it's hurt recruiting. I'll tell you, I don't. 
don't think we'd have got those kids no matter what because Kentucky wasn't for them. Well, I think three of them right off the top, it, it all had to do with location. They wanted to be in proximity to their homes. I think so, too. I mean, you think about uh, Ingram. He grew up a North Carolina fan, so you know his family doesn't like Duke, but it's closer to his home. So you know that's probably why Duke won out. Now, Diallo, I don't know. I don't know why he chose the way he did. That one baffles me more than any of them, honestly. Because Jalen Brown, nobody knew from day one to the very end. The experts were on Twitter watching just like everybody else that night. (laughs) Yeah, I think my favorite was when uh, a bunch of Michigan people started tweeting out about how Calipari bought another recruit and, you know, and then it's like, you know, he was going to Cal. Yeah, wrong Cal. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to up his pay a little bit, though. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. For all those uh, rival fans that are out there saying, you know, Cal buys recruits and he does it, and apparently he doesn't pay very well. I, I had this one, you know, my prediction. I had this one predicted as well. I knew that kid was going to Michigan. <laughs> I just knew it. I told everybody, I said, I don't know why they're whining so much up there in Michigan. They're going to get him anyway. He's not coming to Kentucky. And he goes, and somebody heard Cal got him. Well, Cal did get him. Well, yeah, it's just, uh, well, you know, maybe somebody did get a a text and said he's signed with Cal. (laughs) (laughs) They just forgot that there's more than one Cal. Well, I guess. I'm not even getting into that because that <laughs> one bu- that bugs me to know it. <laughs> well, our buddy Kyle said he would have to question any big man recruit uh, who says anyone develops big men better than Cal. Well, I would have to agree with him. I mean, there's one kid that I can think of that anyone could argue about, and that would be Orton. And he left too early, and everybody knew he left too early. And the rest of them are just beats. Well, there you go. Well, let's see. I haven't seen Kristen pop in yet, so I'm sure we've got to... Uh, <laughs> other things that uh, we're going to cover. Uh, I think the question that... Uh, uh, one of the questions that came in this week from one of our listeners was, uh, uh, if you're a fan of, say, another team, like a, a professional team, uh, I, I think the one in question, it, 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 I'm trying to remember now what professional team, something in Canada, but he said the fans at, for, for the other teams don't interact the same way that the Big Blue Nation fans interact with one another. And I, I think that's a, a, a pretty strong point, the one that I've made many times, that all these other fan bases can call themselves a nation. They can call themselves a family. But there's only one nation in college sports, and, yeah, exactly. and that's the big blue nation. And and we are a family. I just I told Derek, you know, we, we, and we've got the crazy uncle that comes to the Christmas dinner and, uh, you know, couple of second cousins that we, we try not to let them know that we're having the family dinner, but they still get there. 
but overall, you know, I said when 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 you mess with the big blue nation, you know, you you, you got to be careful because there are going to be a couple hundred thousand people that are going to come to their defense. Yeah, it's it's definitely a family, and like you said, sometimes it's a dysfunctional family. But you know, people in Kentucky and and well, people in the nation all around, you can you can have you know all different kinds of people. You can have millionaires and people struggling from daily life and they can all sit down and have a conversation about Kentucky basketball. It's it's an amazing thing and it's hard to believe it's as big as it is, but it's bigger than, than we even know here in Kentucky. It's everywhere. And the, you you really start realizing it when you see all the hate because you know, there's a the Yankees they get the hate, you know, it's it's just that big. That's how big it is. Well, it was a, a strange thing. A couple of years ago, I went on uh, went on vacation with my daughter. We went down, uh, spent a couple of days at Dollywood, and uh, anyway, on the on the way home, we had stopped at a convenience store, had to get gas and that kind of thing, and went in to get some drinks. And uh, they had two registers set up. And only one of them was open. Well, I was kind of midway in the line, the big long line for the one open register. And the guy that was getting ready to, to open up the second one, he came walking by on my side of the line. He walked by me, and I was wearing a U.K. shirt. And he said, I'm getting ready to open my register on the other side, so why don't you just quietly slide out here, go big blue. <laughs> you know, how cool is that? I, I would have been waiting in line another 10 minutes to get my stuff checked out. But this was a guy who was a Kentucky fan down in Tennessee working at a convenience store. And because I'm wearing my U.K. shirt, I got to be first in line. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something. It's everywhere, like I say, you know. Years ago, I used to drive a truck all around the country, and you see U.K. shirts everywhere. You see them in California. It's, it's just unreal. It's everywhere. You see them in Michigan. You see them in Texas. I've seen UK fans everywhere. Well, I'll tell all of our listeners, uh, since uh, we, and sometimes uh, Kristen has uh, family things because uh, she's got Baby Wildcat, and uh, Baby Wildcat doesn't always cooperate with her making her call when she needs to. So uh, we will tell our listeners, we'd love to hear from you if you want to tell us uh, what you thought about. Uh, Derek's interview or anything else that's on your mind this week, 646-716-4741. We'd love to talk to you. I'm sure yeah, you'd love to hear different voices than just us. Give us a call. I know you guys want to weigh in on, on the Derek Anderson interview. It was, it was one of our biggest. and you know He's, he's been in the news a lot here lately. So. Oh, and I guess this is a good time for me to get, to get another shout-out in uh, UK baseball. They're still uh, rolling along pretty good. Uh, they'll be playing Saturday at home, and there's uh, quite a bunch of us from Twitter that are meeting uh, outside the, the ballpark at noon, and we're going to have a little bit of a tailgate. And the game starts at 2 o'clock. I think they still have tickets available at uh, UK Athletics. I think it's uh, general admission, if I'm not mis- uh, not mistaken. Uh, so you get your tickets, and it's kind of like uh, you just go 
They get you inside, and then you go sit where you sit. So that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that will be. Tailgating at the baseball. And I guess while I'm uh, in the uh, in the mode here of shout-out type things, I also want to uh, remind everybody that we stream live on the Radio Wizard. If you don't have that app, it's... Uh, it's uh, it, it performs basically like iHeart would. It's uh, just a, a different radio streaming app, and we do stream live on that. You can get the Radio Wizard in the App Store or on Google Play. And wonderful thing is uh, you can listen to our podcast while it's streaming live, and you can still take phone calls, and you can get on Twitter and talk with it, all kinds of things. So it's a, it's a great little app to have, and we thank our friend the Radio Wizard for uh, picking up our show and streaming it. Yeah, I can't thank him enough. It's it's helped out a bunch. Oh, and, uh, yeah, the big news this week. I finally did it. I am, I am Apple illiterate. I don't have a problem admitting my shortcomings, and because I'm not... Now, my daughter has an iPad that uh, uh, she was fortunate enough to uh, be given by by some really great people when her when she lost her dad. His uh, coworkers they all took up a big donation and they decided that his daughter needed an iPad to get through life. And uh, that doesn't replace a father by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a, a incredibly caring gesture. So you know she's got this iPad, and that's my whole exposure to Apple. I use an Android phone. I use a Windows computer. And so everybody said, we want your podcast on iTunes. I was like, oh, great, one of those iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) And and I went down the wrong path uh, probably about 55 times trying to make that happen. But this week I was finally successful. So if you go to iTunes and you search for Big Blue Views, you can now get all of our episodes on iTunes. I'm so excited about that accomplishment. <laughs> I'd probably have to have an instruction manual to find it, but I'm told it's on there for you guys. <laughs> They're in the know. <laughs> like I was saying, and by the way, not to change the subject, but if you haven't read that Derek's book, you need to go get it. You need to read that book. It really is an amazing book, and I'm not just saying that because we had Derek Anderson on. And I, I was making a joke, and it really isn't a joke. It's the first book <laughs> that I've read completely through since the eighth grade. <laughs> I, I like to read articles, but I'm not much on reading books. But I actually sat down and read that book in a day. So if I can get through it, I know anybody can. It is really a good book. I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I mean, it was that good. And you really need, you really need to read that book. <laughs> Well, I, I cannot disagree with any of that. Like I said, I, I've, uh, I've read it four times, so what am I going to say? <laughs> the last book I read, <laughs> this is kind of funny, was the biography of uh, O.J. Simpson, and this was before <laughs> before O.J. got really famous now. <laughs> so it's been a while since I went through an entire book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! 
I mean, if we can't laugh at ourselves a little bit, you know, it's just the truth. There's no sense in me lying about it. But I do do a lot of reading, but just not a lot of book reading. Well, um, let's see here. I'm trying to see if I've caught up on all of our tweets, but pretty much everything is uh, uh, everybody was just talking about how much they enjoyed Derek's interview, and that's great. I'm just hoping that some of our friends will call in. I hope we find Kristen somewhere on the street. <laughs> that didn't sound very good, did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Kristen's I don't mean that Kristen is literally out on the street, people. Let me let me let me clarify it right now, so I don't have to write a public apology. Uh, Kristen actually, she'll seek out, and I, I see her on Facebook too. She she gets uh, she asks questions, and she gets that from not just UK fans, but she seeks out opinions from opposing fans as well. So she she gets a pretty good read on on what people are saying and thinking. And uh, yeah, we we love her segments. I just I hope nothing's wrong with Baby Wildcat that's keeping her uh, from calling in. She is missing in action in that. So if she might have thought we were we weren't going to have her. We went so long with Barry. Well, I uh, I sent out the SOS to her, so uh, hopefully uh, she'll get that and and be joining us soon. Uh, NFL draft, yeah, that happened this week. See, there's all these things that happened. And I I guess I was too wrapped up in golf. Once golf starts, you know, all these other recruiting and and draft days and all that stuff, they kind of fly under my radar. I get just a little bit wrapped up in golf. I don't know if not that my Twitter name Michelle golfs a lot. That that shouldn't give that away, but uh... <laughs> and I would just like to thank Atlanta for uh passing on that Dupree because now his girlfriend's a big Steelers fan and that's all I've heard is <laughs> Bud Dupree to the Steelers. And everybody knows I'm a cowboy fan, so that didn't work out for me at all. But I'm glad Bud it worked out for Bud. <laughs> I'm, I'm tickled for Bud, but it's just kind of like, man, now he's going all Dermonte Dawson on me, man. <laughs> so, so now I get to hear he's part of Steeler Nation, so, but I am glad. Well, and Zadarius Smith, uh, Ravens, wasn't it? I, I don't even remember what, where he went. I'm sorry. I just remember I, I, Bud. I think he got to the to the Ravens, but uh, uh if I say that wrong, I'm sure one of my listeners will uh, tweet in and tell me. Uh, oh, well, now this is funny. It says that you were lying about your book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's telling all me that. <laughs> He's lying. He couldn't put down Fifty Shades of Grey. It's one of his favorites. <laughs> uh, she's a Steeler fan now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, even I didn't read Fifty Shades of Grey, so there's that. <laughs> oh. Well, 
I truly wish Kristen, I wish I knew what happened to her. And and uh, our friend Mike from Pennsylvania, I've been thinking about him all week with all the stuff that went on in Baltimore since that was his native home. Yes, I've still been thinking about him as well. I hope everything's all right in his hometown. Yeah, that, that that kind of goes back on that point. There is so much anger and hatred in this world today. And I understand people protesting when things are going wrong. I just never in a million years will understand the reaction to think that the way to to change things is to destroy property of people that had nothing to do with the situation that you're in. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, they had a senior center that was built by a church, and that was like one of the biggest fires. Now, what what that had to do with police and that whole situation, uh, you know, with that arrest that where where the man died, I'm pretty sure that 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 senior citizens center had absolutely nothing to do with that. And and yet that's torched into the ground. And and there's just got to be uh there's got to be a better answer than just everybody always turning to violence. Yeah, there's got to be other ways to handle things, you know. It's it's one thing to protest. If you want to protest, do it peacefully. I mean, I just don't understand tearing the town down. What good that does anybody? Well, the thing that I couldn't wrap my head around were some of the media people saying, oh, they're having a riot just like they did in Lexington when they lost a basketball game. There's a far, as a, I mean, that's a big stretch when you've got some couches being burned in the street. You get a few drunken disorderlies, you know, and and I'm not one that says I, I think you should be going out in the street burning couches. I think that's a little bit silly uh, myself. I, you know, there's I'm sure other college students that would be happy to pick up that poor beat up couch, you know, because they have no furniture. But you burned it. Not okay. But they weren't out destroying other buildings and other property, you know. <laughs> yeah, well. Somebody could say something like that There's no business in leadership I mean that's just Ridiculous And uh, a topic That we had touched on last week When Kristen brought her uh, Street views in And what was a suggestion for us to debate And that was uh, Which UK uh, Player Has been the greatest Ambassador for the basketball program, and I, I guess you're talking about you know all time. And uh, there was some talk about Anthony Davis being that, and and I I, I disagreed because and not because I don't think that Anthony Davis isn't a wonderful ambassador for the University of Kentucky, and that he draws a lot of attention, and he's still you know he, he's got no problem being public. You know I'm you know big blue nation always, even though it's just here one year, but. I think you got to look back over a lot more years to see who's had the greatest impact at being an ambassador for the university. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think he could end up being before it's all said and done. But as far as right now, you know, there's some pretty big names out there. You know, Pat Riley and Daniel and You know, even though the, the news that happened in the last week or so, Derek Anderson is up there for you. I mean, you know, it's Derek Anderson not and all, but you know he. He really he goes back and he helps anytime someone gets hurt. He's always, you know, he and like he like he said himself, he, he interacts with how many guys. How many guys interact with the fans? I mean, really, that that were that really interact with the fans that that are just courteous to everyone. And and I think you know, like I said, he he, he apologized for his statements and and all that. But I think he's one of the greatest. Ambassadors of UK, honestly, I really believe that. I believe that before, like like we were talking, we were planning on having him on before all that started and all that got going. And and I'm glad it went the way it did. It went the way it should have, because that's the way it would have went had that not occurred. Well, I, I'm of the opinion. I said I, I I had kind of leaned toward the Dan Issel camp uh, last week, as far as being you know over the years someone who was always uh, supporting UK and, and being a good face, besides having had a, a very successful professional career and went on in, to coaching beyond that. Uh, uh, but Pat Riley, I mean, I couldn't believe we couldn't think of Pat Riley, of all things. Still, Pat Riley's a pretty good one. I mean, he's Pat Riley was the... Uh, the one that suggested, because they offered him the job. I don't know if you remember this. You probably do. But they offered him the job, and he's the one that suggested uh, a young Rick Patino. And uh, no matter your your dislike for Patino now because he's at the rival school. No. He, he brought us back, you know. He brought us back from a place where we were we were really down. I will clarify that Patino, my, my dislike for Patino now. Uh, now, while he was here, yes, I respected everything he did, but I, I had issues with Patino while he was our coach. And the, a lot of that was every time there was uh, post-game press conferences and stuff, it was always he would always say something, in my mind, we needed to do this. In my mind, I thought we needed to do that. And, I, 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 and I always, it, it always seemed to me that he always thought he was perhaps a little bigger than the program. Now, that, that doesn't mean I don't respect what he did because, I mean, you know, thank you for coming here. Thank you for bringing us back and making us relevant again. And he's an outstanding coach. And, and when he left to the Celtics, I was very sad because you could see an era ending of sorts. Anyway, yes. it's a little job. I, I was upset. You know, I was like, how do you do that? But what got me, I would have gotten over that in a pretty short amount of time. It was when Patino decided to refer to us as the small-minded fans that don't wish me well at Louisville. (laughs) And I'm going like, small-minded? We don't wish anybody well at Louisville. That's just that. If he understood Kentucky basketball, if he truly understood the program, he would have understood why we were upset. 
Yeah, exactly. And and not to change the subject, but Kyle reminds us that uh, Coach Hall is a great ambassador for UK, and that is true. He he's always there, and he is a great ambassador for UK. Absolutely, that 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 is a a, a very very good point, and I think Coach Hall was vastly underrated for his coaching abilities. He he had one of the toughest jobs ever when you've got to replace Adolf Rupp. I mean, and, and still pull off and get a national championship. That, that pretty incredible stuff. That that that's not for the faint of heart for sure. But I have great news right now. Kristen has found her way in. I was correct. She was having uh, some baby wildcat problems. She's a baby wildcat's not feeling well tonight. I'm sorry so, uh, to hear that. Uh, bring Kristen online with us now. Uh, hey, Kristen. Hey, y'all. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, it's just been a busy evening. I've got a sick baby, and I've lost track of time. And I do apologize for that. That's it's quite okay. all right. That was the first thing I said was sometimes the baby wildcat has a, uh, he, he he's your first priority, and if he decides he needs you at showtime, he needs you, and that's just how it is. He can't tell time yet. No, not yet. We're, we're, we're trying to teach him, though. <laughs> no, poor, poor kid. He has strep throat at a year old, and then he's starting to get a cold on top of that. So we just had a little bit of a mess, and I do apologize, but... I, just because I was absent this, that, you know, at, at 9 o'clock, um, I haven't been absent this week. I have got some awesome uh, responses from Twitter and Facebook um, on some topics this week. Well, I did mention I had seen you out there uh, asking your questions, and I, I've told our listeners, you don't just go to the Big Blue Nation for your questions. You get stuff from rival fans, too, and I, I think that's... Uh, that's really cool because it's a more accurate rep- representation overall of how things are. Yes, and I actually go to church. Um, my pastor is a Duke fan, so oh. I actually told him I wasn't so sure I wanted to sit under him um, considering, you know, his fandom. I didn't know if I could allow him to shepherd me, but he is a he's a great pastor. He's just a little misguided in the sports area. Yeah, that happens, you know. I, I, you know, God has a reason. He does. He does. I'm sure that he'll be converted someday because I, I bought a sign for uh, Judah's room uh, this weekend at a flea market that says, "And all God's people said, go big blue.' So I may just have to uh, get one of those for my pastor so he can see the error of his ways. Oh, if you get one, seriously, I need you to pick me up one because my pastor, thankfully, is uh, a very true blue Wildcat fan. But every Sunday after the opening call to worship prayer, he always says, and all God's people said, and we always say amen, but I wish he had that sign. So just one week we all say go Big Blue. Well, actually, my friend who is a uh, Florida Gators fan he does woodworking, and he makes those. That he makes them for all sorts of teams. So I'll be sure to get you one and send it your way. Okay, well, just let me know. I'll, I'll be uh, touching base with you. But let's uh, find out what's happening on the street this week, Kristen. 
Well, I am so excited to tell you that both of the questions, because, listen, we've talked recruiting, and I know you guys have talked recruiting earlier in the show. I'm so tired of talking about it. We've got some awesome new subjects, though. Um, the first, Both of them were asked by um, people who listen to our show. So thank you for the suggestions, and I take them seriously, and I research them among Cats fans and non-Cats fans alike, and I get an answer to your question. The first one I was asked this week was, do people consider Kentucky's season a failure because we didn't go 40-0? And I was actually very surprised with the response because Kentucky is so easy to hate. I figured the response would be overwhelmingly, yes, you guys, you know, had a disappointing season. But actually, no. I talked to – a Florida fan, a couple of Duke fans, talked to North Carolina fans, some in person, some on Facebook, and all of them, except for one Florida fan, said that it is not a disappointing season. It was a disappointing end pointing season. To go 38-0, some of the remarks I got was to go 38-0 was, you know, no easy feat uh, with the talent we had. It was, you know, it was an amazing season. So I'm very happy to report that really no one of any fan base, well, the uh, the minority of the fan bases of any team believe that we had a disappointing season. I, I would say we probably had a higher number in the Big Blue Nation that was called. <laughs> and I That's because that. we get so personally involved, you know, because for us it was, having such a high expectation and then that that, that, that crash. Yes. It, it just hurt a little more. Yeah, that, that loss at the end, you know, it's always awful to end your season on a loss. Nobody wants to do it, but only one team gets to not do it. So that's just the way to go. you got to go back and you say four Final Fours in five years, I don't care what anybody else says, we're good. Yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> well, I, after you know the guy in, in the last debate we had, I'm I'm happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Um, a friend of mine uh, on Facebook, her name is Patty. She said a real true fan of of the game, despite their loyalty to have their own team. Um, has got to stand up and give them their due. What an accomplishment. Well, yay. Uh, and another friend um, and another friend of mine, Adam, he had, he's a Florida fan, and he had said, a failure, no. Falling short of your goal, absolutely. When you play for Kentucky, make no mistake about it, your goal is to win a national championship. Kentucky basketball is is. Of the elite is the elite team of the nation. Every year, you can bet that their goal is to be on the big board in the locker room. This season is not a failure if you don't. But I'm sorry, this season is not a failure. However, if you don't, and and that's the thing I think that, that we as Kentucky fans we tend to get just a little bit spoiled. There are so many teams out there. And, and their goal is just to make it to the NCAA. I mean, that that that's and, – and sometimes that's not that realistic of a goal. 
So for us to be saying you know, that our expectation is at least a Final Four every year, we got it good, and, and we should probably step back and, and take a little perspective and appreciate how good we've got it because it could go away just like that. Yeah, exactly. And one of the best teams we ever had didn't even make the Final Four. I mean, that John Wall team was, was special, and they didn't even make the Final Four. And so you got to look at reality when you judge these things. I want to read you just a, a little discourse between two of uh, my friends on Facebook who answered the question. Um, one of them is my very best friend who's also uh, even more so misguided. She's a Louisville fan. And uh, the person that she's talking to, she does not know because uh, we know each other from different circles. But um, And he's the Florida fan who believes we had a disappointing – or we did have a disappointing season. Her name is Natasha, and she said, I know you consider me a hater. However, by no means do I consider UK season a failure. I told you way back early on uh, when the run began that I hope they have an undefeated season because I felt like the only thing that could beat them in the tourney was the pressure of being perfect. As a Cards fan, of course I wanted them to lose. But But that doesn't take away the respect I have for their talent or what they accomplished. Did they win it all? No, but are they? But they are uh, by no means a failure. Jacob said, "I don't hate them near as much as I let on. Just uh, it's just fun getting a reaction out of folks. But yeah, I would call it a failure. Just like a few years back when the Patriots went sixteen and zero and then got to eighteen and zero before losing to the losing at the Super Bowl. It feels like they had a good run but couldn't close the deal." Winning a bunch of games, then not winning the most important one constitutes the failed season in my eyes. Then Jake, then Natasha responded to him and said, Jacob, I disagree with your definition of failure. I think people forget that this really isn't a group of kids we're talking about, not a pro NFL football team. These kids are still learning and growing into adults. By your standard, second place is just the first loser, and that's not the message to pass on to these young men who fought hard and their team and did their team and proud and fans proud. If they walk away from this having learned something and have bettered themselves, then they have not failed. I think that's a that, that's a very nice summary of it and, and that's a, a very valid point to, to raise that they are still kids and what they did this year was Beyond amazing, and for everybody to, to want to wipe that, or not everybody, but for some people to want to wipe that away and call it a failure, I think is so unfair to those kids that sacrificed as much as they did all year and, and fall short in one game. I, I don't think that that wipes out the thirty-eight previous, not at all. Exactly. Uh, so, I those are. I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I agree with both of you there. But, you know, that that was a great team, no matter if they won or not. Everybody knows that. And, and only haters would say that they were failures at 38-1. and one. Well, it depends on your definition of success. And obviously, and I know Jacob well, and he's – I don't believe in that instance he was trying to write on my chain. I genuinely believe that he thinks if you don't win at all, then – 
or if you don't reach your goal, then it's a failure. If our goal was only to win the NCAA or get to the tournament, and we did, then it wasn't a failure. If it was only to make a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight or a Final Four, then it wasn't a failure. But our goal was to win the national championship, and because we didn't make it, he considers it a failure. So, but that, like I said, I talked to many, many people from many different fan bases. A lot of them was um, in the um, ACC or in the SEC. A lot of my friends are those fans. And the vast majority of the people said it wasn't a failure. Well, that was – and I'm like you. I fully expected – to, to just about be, you know, raked over the coals by the opposing fans, you know, wanting to rub it in your face. Oh, you know, you weren't perfect. You know, what a failure, what a failure. I mean, that might have been more what I was dreading with the loss than just not getting, than not bringing home the banner and my heart hurting for the players. It was to knowing what we were going to hear from other fans. And it kind of restores a little bit of my faith in humanity to know that uh, there are still some intelligent basketball fans out there that appreciate what happened this year. And I think one thing we need to understand as Kentucky fans is that the only time people really focus on us is when we're doing extremely well. My pastor, I mentioned he was a Duke fan, and, of course, they won the championship this year. And I went back looking through his Facebook page because we're uh, we're recent Facebook fans. He never once mentioned Kentucky. He was really focused on Duke and what Duke was doing. There was never a time whenever he was, you know, hoping Kentucky loses or, you know, because I mentioned several times on my page, I hope Duke lost. But he was really focused on his team, and I think we need to understand as Kentucky fans, I know there's a lot of hate on us, and I know that we're very much just locked. But for the most part, a lot of people, they just focus on their own team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's like we were talking about the big blue nation. You've always got the dysfunctional uncle, you know, shows up for Christmas dinner, and that's those fans are everywhere in every in every fan base. Well, and, and some of the heat that we—I uh, was just going to say—some of the heat we take. Let's let's be honest. We've got a portion of the fan base out there that goes out and looks for that heat. They go trolling. They they want to go. And rub into other fans' faces. You know, look what we did. Look, you know, why draw that? You know, we'll get enough negative attention without seeking it and and bringing it into our environment. I, I wish more Kentucky fans would just focus on Kentucky and not what everybody's saying about Kentucky. So it's a way of getting attention. There, I just said that squeaky wheels get old, and so you know the 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 fans that that you know focus on Kentucky and do our Kentucky thing and don't give a whole lot of um, attention to, you know, uh, negative and criticism. We don't get that much attention, but those who do go trolling, the fans that uh, do troll or even the fans of opposing teams who kind of call us out whenever we're not at our best, uh, they're just squeaky wheels and they're just trying to get attention. So, I, I I can't argue that. <laughs> well, uh, if you guys don't have anything more to say on this, I was given uh, another topic kind of uh, last week, and that was uh, 
and I had to look up on Twitter to see his handle, and I can do that in a moment. But I want to uh, give you the question. The question was, is there another fan base that is as close, or are you treated the same amongst other fan bases as you are in the BBN? Because we all have, you know, other favorite teams, whether you watch, you know, baseball or, you know, NBA or football, um, soccer, whichever, whichever you prefer, NASCAR. Um, we all have our favorites that we root for. And all the fans kind of stick together and because we have a common interest. But is there another fan base where the fans treat each other the way that we treat one another? And I read the question, and I guess I just assumed that he was talking about how close the BBN is and, and not anything negative. Um but I did. I asked. I asked on Twitter. I got a few responses there. Um, I asked some people uh, at church and, you know, and around in my community, and, and I don't think I actually put it on Facebook. But um, I did get some good responses. And uh, among Kentucky fans who are fans of other sports and other teams, they believe that there is no fan base like the Big Blue Nation. I would say Alabama football's close. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but there's a lot of them. Let's put it that way. I, I don't know if they're as close as we are, but but they're pretty close. Well, I didn't ask Alabama fans because really I don't know many. But I I thought of that, Mike. But I remembered what Feinbaum said. Uh, Feinbaum, of course, who was you know there in Alabama until his show went, um, you know, national or, you know, at least regional uh, with the SEC network. And he will t- he has said that Alabama football fans tell in comparison to Kentucky basketball fans. Wow. Well, the only other one I could think of would be not actually a team would be Dale Earnhardt Jr. fans. They're, I mean, they stick together. <laughs> They're crazy. They do. <laughs> And NASCAR is, is an animal all by itself, and they they do. Of course, another thing about NASCAR that makes it, and you can say just the Dale Junior fans, but it. I've, I've also seen, uh, you know, everybody gets their, uh, their their team, if you will. It's like you got Hendrick Sports or or Joe Gibbs Racing or whatever. You know, where they've each got several drivers. So NASCAR being strange that you can have four or five favorite drivers. And you're fine. Either one of those five wins. <laughs> it it now, is a only, strange sport. The only three, um, there's three people who said that, uh, who were Kentucky fans, but said something was close or another team or another fan base was close to being this close. And I can almost agree, not that I'm a fan of them, Steelers. The Steelers Nation, their fan base is a very – tight-knit, close group, and they support one another, and, and they, they have relationships with each other if they don't have one else, even if they don't have one outside of, um, of sports, outside of football. I know I know you two uh, only through Kentucky basketball, and I have other friends on Twitter who I know just through Kentucky basketball, and there's fans like that uh, also for Steeler Nation. Well... I'm not yeah, just saying this just because I'm a Cowboys fan, but because I am a Cowboys fan, I can tell you 
uh, my experience has been that the Cowboys Nation is much larger than the Steeler Nation, and there are a number of people that I uh, interact with on Twitter uh, that I got to know solely because they are Cowboys fans, and when it's football season, uh, the the Cowboy Nation does stick together. They they uh, they've got. I, I think it's a a pretty strong bond. I mean, they they do have the the family feel. Uh, not quite to the extent as the Big Blue Nation, but they do a pretty good uh, a pretty good job of it. I don't know, Mike, have you experienced that with the Cowboys? Oh, I'm a huge Cowboys fan, as you know, but I'm going to have to say, no, it's probably bigger the Cowboys because you know back in the but most of us are from back in the '90s and we're still living in the past, and I think it's Steeler fans right now are a little more passionate. There might not be as many of them, and they stick together because I see that on Facebook and, and on Twitter. You know, there's a lot of Steeler fans, and, and they, they're kind of like us in a way, kind of like the BBN in a way. I, I wouldn't say that they were – they're close, let's put it that way. <laughs> they're close. That That's what I'm hearing from the people I've asked, the Kentucky fans who are fans of other sports. Um they're close, but they all agree. Not one of them, um, and I probably polled probably 50 or 60 um, face-to-face, and then, of course, the responses I got there on Twitter. Um, th- there's some, there's other nations out there. There's other families out there, but none quite as big, none quite as passionate, and none quite as close as the BBN. I would agree with that, and and they're they're loyal. As well, like like the BBN. I mean, like, we have a bad year. Yeah, we're going to gripe and we're going to complain. But we're still going to we're still going to push the numbers when the games are on, and and we're still going to watch the catch and we're still going to root for them. We're just going to gripe when it's over. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me of me and my sisters. We might get into it and we might disagree. We might even have us a little bicker. But you know what? They are still my sisters, and I got their back. That's right. And I think that's what a family is. That's where we've went from becoming a being a fan base, being a nation, to being a family. Um, one thing I will say is I'm a fan of you know several different sports. Um, I'm, I'm not so proud to say it with the years that we've had recently, but I'm a Giants fan. I love the New York Giants. Oh my! And yeah, I know. Bless my heart, right? <laughs> God love her. <laughs> And so, and, and so I'm, I'm a part of some other, you know, passionate fan bases, maybe not as quite as passionate as some others. But whenever I need something, I, I mentioned this. I, I know I wrote a, a piece on it several months ago on Kentucky Sports Unlimited that I had asked for prayer whenever Baby Wildcat got RSV. And the response I received on Twitter was overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming. Now, I expected that from Facebook where we have aunts and uncles and cousins and and close friends and godparents who, you know, of course reached out. But, Michelle, you may be the only person, you and Diana may be the only people on my Twitter feed that I actually know, well, except for my brother. 
probably you three, but the response I got of people praying was amazing. And that's where I said, you know what, this is what makes it BBN fam. Whenever you can lean on each other and you can reach out to each other and count on one another just by being fans. Exactly. You created a bond and a relationship beyond beyond the basketball court, beyond scores and beyond the gridiron. You've created relationships because of that that have carried on, you know, throughout other parts of your life. Exactly. I mean, I have never met either one of you two in person, but I feel like I know you guys. You know, it's it's weird how it works. It's it's really weird. Well, and, and taking that a step further, I'm kind of like where uh, Christian was a year and a half ago, I knew nobody on Twitter personally. Yeah, of course, I was first developing followers. I, and I, I got some friendships through the, the Big Blue Nation. And just talking with them and talking about basketball coming up or when, when Big Blue Madness was uh, uh, on tap, all, all that going on. And then football season. And, and you talk to these people. Well, then I ended up going to a football game and – met, that's when I first met Diane and the hotel gate crew that to this day I still hang with. And all those people that I met that I've just chatted with on Twitter, that opened the door for me to meet them. But once we met in person, we found out we bonded over so much more than just UK sports. And those people are real friends in my life today and that, and that we have a relationship outside of sports. And it's but it's because there was that family connection within the sport to start with that opened that door, that, that allowed us to have that friendship. And, and that's just a truly special thing that I kind of feel sorry for other fan bases that they don't get that feeling. They don't know what it's like to be a Kentucky fan. They just don't know. And I think that's why some of our um, our extreme uh, passion for the sport becomes a little misunderstood because they don't understand. It's not that they're being nasty, intentionally nasty. It's just they have never experienced it, so they don't understand. And and some of them do get nasty. I think sometimes it, it's there, there's a saying about people fear what they don't understand, and and I think it's easier to lash out and be negative about it just because they don't get it. They they don't. They just don't. <laughs> I just wish every, every fan should feel the way we feel at least one day in their life, you know, to have that that kind of support with your fan base. I mean, that would solve a whole lot of the world problems, if you ask me. Yes, I think so, too. It's it's amazing how, how many people just, just love this and live and die by this, and <laughs> And we all know we take it too serious, but we continue to take it too serious. <laughs> well, I can, I can also relate to Christine is when uh, my first year on Twitter, actually about my first few months, I guess, when I was uh, really starting to use Twitter was when my mother had passed away. And uh, she was, we knew she was going to... Uh, not going to make it for a couple of weeks, and and I had asked for prayers just because you know when you know the inevitable is coming, it, it's a tough time. And the people from the Big Blue Nation that reached out to me, 
I mean, there's people are going to have a spot in my heart forever because they got me through a lot of long, late nights, and, and and for no other reason than because I was a Kentucky fan. Did they they but you found that there, there's a whole lot of love in the Big Blue Nation. It, it, it's an awesome thing. So to answer the question that was uh, given to me earlier this week, yeah, there's some there's some great fan bases out there. There's some fan bases that are like family. But there is none greater than the fan base of the Kentucky Wildcats. None better. Couldn't agree more on that. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, I would love to debate that, except, well, you know, I can't. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you guys have a debate set up for tonight, or, or, or have you missed the boat with me, family? <laughs> we, uh, we we didn't have a debate for tonight. <laughs> we we uh. We had everything uh, going in at Derek Anders, <laughs> and then we, we were counting on you, and uh, that baby Wildcat was having problems, so we we had a few minutes there where we were just just talking. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, when we asked for debate topics this week, uh, what we ended up getting were questions uh, to send to you. <laughs> hey, well, keep sending them my way. I love this. I love this. Instead of having to, you know, scour the internet for for pretty much, and, and my topics have seemed to be in, you know, things that you guys had already discussed. <laughs> so, and it was just kind of reiterating what had already been said. So, getting these topics this week has been so much fun. I've I've had a lot of I've had a lot of fun talking to you know family and friends and and people I go to church with and, and just seeing what they thought about the questions that were asked to me. So you guys keep them coming. This is awesome. I love it. Well, well tell our listeners right now, you heard Kristen. She likes to have a she wants to know what question is burning on your mind. What what do you want to know uh the rest of the world is thinking on a topic? And uh, we'll pass that along to Kristen. You can tweet that to at Big Blue Views, uh, and we'll make sure she gets it. If you don't follow her on Twitter, uh, I would recommend following her on Twitter just because uh, she's a uh, uh, she's a good follow. That's just uh, how it is. She's at X K S York X. So uh, be sure you follow her. And I think she's a writer at Kentucky Sports Unlimited and. We truly appreciate all the time that you spend, and uh, you're a, uh, a a key part of our podcast, and we really appreciate all the work you do, Kristen. We well, sure thank do. you guys so much. And, yeah, just, just send me some topics, and I will be glad to search those out for you. So you guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much for taking my call, and we will be talking next week. All right. Have a good one. All right. And I hope Baby Wildcat's back to 100% before you know it. Oh, me too. Me too. He just, Daddy just got him out of the bath. He seems to feel a little better, so we're about to put him to bed. <laughs> well, you have a great night, Kristen. Ah, uh, you too. Good night. Good night. Well, that, that's uh, interesting to find out that the other fan bases uh, don't consider our season to have been a failure. I, that that encourages me. Well, you know, we've got about ten minutes left if you want. Give us a shout here. It's uh, 646-716-4741. You know, give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Well, I guess in the meantime, I can uh, I can get on my 
my little mini soapbox for the thing that bugged me this week and had nothing to do with basketball or football or horse racing or even golf. It was that blasted boxing match. And why was that? First of all, I don't understand, and this is just me, I don't understand the mindset of, A, voluntarily stepping into a ring to get your face punched in. (laughs) Well... I like boxing, and I always have. I think the sport has killed itself over the years, which they make a lot of money, but I've always liked boxing, and a lot of people are disappointed in that fight, and I don't understand why, because if they were expecting anything else from Mayweather other than what he did, that's what he's always done. I don't get it, but it wasn't going to be a slug standing in the middle slug fest. I mean, we know how Mayweather's tactical in the way he boxes. Well, I, well, no, we don't all know because some of us don't follow the sport enough to know. But uh, I, I do know enough about what's in the news to know that the bigger problem with Mayweather, I, I don't think that people were expecting a different result so much as they were wanting a different result because of things that Mayweather has done in his personal life. I don't, I don't know much about about his personal life because I'm, I'm not a big follower of boxing, so <laughs> I, mean, uh, I have to watch it. Well, domestic violence, basically. Oh well, I'm never a supporter of that at all. So, but I didn't yeah. know that, so I don't keep up with with uh, the boxing. You know, that was the the main thing that I saw on my Twitter feed with when. Uh, in the early rounds before Mayweather was dominating, there were the comments that, well, he hits girls harder than he's hitting this guy. <laughs> and uh, so there, were, there was a whole lot of, uh, I think it was just people not, not wanting someone who is, uh, Basically, uh, well, I don't know if I should say woman beater, but I mean that—that's what he did. And uh, they hate to see that being rewarded, I guess. I mean, and that's—we see that, of course, with a number of players in the NFL too. That they—they've had issues. They might get suspended, and they're right back in there drawing their their big paychecks. It's—I—I uh, I don't know. I, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I guess in every walk of life. There's uh, people that have committed crimes, and they they take their punishment, and they go right on and continue with their jobs and keep making money. And for some reason, I guess when they're in the public eye, we think they shouldn't do that anymore. And and I understand the uh, I guess frustration with it. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I just there's too much of that going on. And- in the world, like we we were talking earlier, I just I think there should be. I mean, being a professional big star, it's it's kind of a privilege more than a right. I think there should be harsher punishments for for actions like that. Well, I would I would agree, and I, like I said, if they've if if they've 
done, you know, done the crime, paid the, you know, paid the fine, whatever, and, and been punished for that, then I guess you can't, by the say they shouldn't be able to go out there and continue to earn money, but it sure makes it impossible to root for them, I'll tell you that. And I, I think that's what the whole thing was with Mayweather. They just wanted somebody to beat him. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I wasn't I, I wasn't even aware of that. It shows you how much I follow it. I mean, I've always kind of liked boxing, but they don't promote it well. And they, don't, they don't make it, you know, to where you can watch it. I'm not paying 100 bucks to watch a fight. I'm just I'm not doing it. I'm not paying 100 bucks to watch a fight in my house. That's, to me, I can well, find a lot better. Well, from what I understand... Um, and I, I've not. I've had one uh, one friend on Twitter, Craig Blanton, who keeps telling me, "Have you have you checked the Periscope app?" And I know it's a video streaming app, but I haven't really looked in it too uh, too much. And apparently, this Periscope app that that does the video streaming, some people were able to get the fight on that without paying. <laughs> <laughs> that might be illegal. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's illegal. I mean, it just might be something that uh, a door that wasn't closed when it came to streaming the event. Not that anybody, you know, they had that app. If that's available to stream, you know, it, it's not illegal for you to watch it if it's made available on your app. I, I think that comes down to whoever's doing the broadcasting. They're supposed to shut those doors so it doesn't happen. But. Uh, Anyway, so if you've heard of Periscope, maybe you'll want to look. I'm going to look into it deeper now. Who knows what I'm going to miss in the future if I don't have it. <laughs> but, all right, but but you are right. With, with boxing, they have made it uh, inaccessible for fans. I mean, you know, I said, if you don't have $100 to, to pay for the pay-per-view, you most certainly don't have the $6,000 for a seat at the venue, or if you're wanting the, I mean, there were some seats that were going in excess of $200,000. I just, I'm sorry. I, I, there's nothing about watching somebody's face get beat in that is that attractive to me. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I really enjoyed the watch boxing, but I, I'm not willing to pay that kind of price to watch it. I mean, there's very few things that I'm willing to pay that kind of price to watch. I mean, it's just, just too much. They ask too much people. If they if they want somebody, if they want to grow the sport, they're going to have to change something. But they're not going to change anything because they're making big money on it. <laughs> and 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 I'll say again, I just I don't understand it. It's like calling fishing a sport. I don't understand why people want to watch somebody's face get beat up. I just don't get it. It's different in football. Yeah, you know, go home and, and hit somebody. But it's to try to get the ball or to stop the ball from getting into the end zone. There's there's some greater goal there, you know. <laughs> the, the boxing is like, let me see if I can bloody this guy's nose. Let's see if I can black his eye. I don't know. I can, I can see that in a... Walmart parking lot on Saturday night for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, there's been some great boxers. I mean, it's been fun to watch. But in recent times, it's just, 
it's faded into nothing. And to really, I mean, this fight here was about five years too late. You know, it's, they just don't they don't promote their sport in the right way. They don't grow it the way they should. And I think it's really hurt boxing as far as popularity. And and I feel like they could make more money if if the they marketed it right. But I don't know. You know, I don't know how much they're making and how much they're not making. But it seems like they're leaving money on the table by not marketing it. Well, we got about thirty seconds. Um, so we're just going to tell everybody we hope you have a great week. Hope to see you all out at UK uh, baseball game this Saturday. The, the game starts at 2, the tailgate party. Yes, tailgating for baseball starts at noon. Uh, anything you want to throw out there? Other than we want to thank Derek Anderson for joining us tonight. Yes, we definitely do. It was uh, it kind of slowed down after Derek left, but it was a great, it was a great uh, interview and one of the highlights of my life. And if you haven't read that book, you need to go get it. Okay, and we wish everybody a very good night. You've been listening to Big Blue Views with Michelle Brown and Mike McQuinn. Listen every Monday night, 8 to 10, for Big Blue Views, a Kentucky SportsUnlimited.com production. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.